0: Welcome to the podcast. Coming up on episode 97 of Appetite for Distortion, we're going to hear from special co-host Art Devana. He's going to tell us all about his brand new article for Billboard magazine about Chinese democracy, which includes brand new interviews, and our very special guest, Gary Sunshine, from the legendary New York City band Circus of Power, and also on the 1999 Guns N' Roses track, Oh My God. He's going to tell us everything. At least what he knows. Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are? Do you know where you are?
1: This is Appetite for Distortion.
0: And welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode 97. It is uh, Brando, and this is going to be our last recording of 2018. Uh, what a year it's been for me, I guess personally, which you don't care about. Uh, what a year for Guns N' Roses, um, and, and just what a year for this podcast, and, and before we get to our... Our co host and guest, because it's been uh, at least quite a year for our, our co-host uh, before I I forget. I want to say happy birthday to Mike Squires, of course from uh, Duff McKagan's Loaded and the um, the conductor. I don't know what try to what kind of word I'm looking for of our theme song, a uh, creator. There you go. See, I'm not the wordsmith, Artivana. Uh, you are. <laughs> <laughs> That's my segue to it. So, uh, happy birthday, Mike, and uh, and welcome to the show, Artivana. One of our earliest supporters and i don't know i feel like as this podcast has gotten bigger you've kind of helped with that because you and then just seeing your career since we've become friends kind of your your profile go up and up and up has been pretty exciting so i think this was a good year for you art i would say
2: yeah man 2018 was one of the greatest years of my life no doubt about it uh, i don't know what everyone what what everyone else is so sad and dejected about but it's been a fun year man it's been you know i've done everything i want to do i have been writing for playboy which has been a, a childhood fantasy of mine, obviously, and I've been able to write about everything from politics to Guns N' Roses to whatever pop culture. I mean, I'm writing for Penthouse now, so that's kind of cool. Nice, kind of give me. I mean, it's kind of fun when someone. Just, I don't. My thing is, I don't care who I write for, as long as you give me freedom to be myself 100, percent which is kind of what the Guns N' Roses, the struggle to write this Guns N' Roses book, which is why it's taken three almost four years now. It has been contractual and creative struggles between me and the publishers and then finally you know ending up with the publisher I'm with now which is you know giving me complete freedom basically to do whatever book I want to do the book that I want to do without any handcuffs you know you know it's not like I'm I'm, I'm not getting a million dollars let's put it that way but I'm getting full freedom to do the book that I want which is going to be um, good news for some people, bad news for others. And just great news, great news for me. I don't really care. It's really fun. It's my opinion, and it's going to be really fun.
0: I think that's I think that's the way to be, and, and that's how I feel. Just in my uh, side of the coin with being on a, a podcast as opposed to FM. So you know, 2018 and, and seeing what could happen next year with this podcast, with iHeart recognizing it and and uh, looking to promote it next year with along of uh, some other. Uh, chosen a few iHeart podcasts it should be exciting. But yeah, this gives me the freedom. And people like it for whatever reason. And for you, I mean, I think they have a reason to like what you do. And uh, that's going to be the subject. You're going to be the full subject, Art, of Shotgun News. News! And of course, brought to you by AlternativeNation.net. Uh, and, and thank them so much. Uh, I believe they put out five articles about our last interview with uh, Doug Rion. Uh, just an amazing interview, if you missed it. Some old to- untold stories about Scott Wineland, of uh, velvet revolver, some important uh, conversations about addiction and depression. So if you haven't checked out episode 96, please do so. But this is 97, few moments away. We're going to be talking to Gary Sunshine. And no, that's not my local meteorologist. No, he was, for a short period of time, a member of Guns N' Roses or a contracted member. We'll, we'll talk to him about it. But what, what Art did in the subject of Shotgun News is, is profile an album that's 10 years old. And we did an episode uh, focused solely on Chinese democracy a few episodes ago. And for, for Billboard, the diverse legacy and surprising future of Guns N' Roses Chinese Democracy, man, this thing blew up. Eddie Trunk has tweeted about it. Uh, I've seen it on uh, Ultimate Classic Rock, on Ultimate Guitar. First, before you just talk to us about the article and how it came together, just congratulations, man. Great piece.
2: Oh, thanks, dude. Yeah, it was cool. It's just like everything else. You know, you just kind of want to, I don't know, we're we're all fanboys, and we all care, we all dig into this history, and you kind of want to then translate that to people who don't know much about this band, which I think is the weird part about my role sometimes because, yeah, I'm a fan, but I'm also not as much of a fan as some people. I'm not going to name any names, but some people who are just like live – live in these forums and are obsessive and weird. and uh, okay. Basically, have dedicated their entire existence to a rock and roll band, which is really unhealthy and strange. You've spoken about said, that, sure. People, yeah, and those people are kind of just don't, you know, they take things way too seriously. But for me, it's just fun. I love this band. I think their history is captivating. I think they're, they're like a Shakespearean drama in the form of a rock band. Um, and I think, you know, that was Chinese democracy. You know, the one thing I have to say is, that I think this is what I'm really thrilled about is, more people are listening to the record. Um, Mm. I don't know if it's like a lot of people, but there's more people who are listening to it. I'm actually talking to my billboard editor to get the Nielsen numbers on streaming to see if like there was a tick, a a spike. Um, But I think there was. And I think there's been a, there's, you know, one of the things in the article that got kind of glossed over by people who are, who don't read much is there was a point when the reunion happened and people started really streaming Chinese. And I think it was I to I forgot the exact number, but millions of additional streams than they've ever had because of the reunion. So people started listening to Chinese more because of Slash playing that guitar riff. So um, that's kind of cool. And I think that for me was the what the article sort of on a mini scale accomplishes. It, it, it you know, creates curiosity for this record. And I think you know listening to it as much as I have since writing this piece and investigating it, I love it so much more. And it went from like excellent company whatever and this kind of you know weird obsessive tragic um piece of music to one of my favorite albums of all time like it really grew into a a work of weird uncompromising genius in in a lot of ways yeah it's confusing yeah it's 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 a missed opportunity in a lot of ways because it is unfinished and it is kind of you know botched in a lot of ways but you know it is a beautiful and weird fucked up trip into actual psychology you
0: know absolutely and i'm trying to bring up the number because it's um i should have had it down but yeah that was one of the takeaways uh from your article where the amount of streams uh not when it came out like you weren't given the the myspace numbers or anything like that you were you gave when the reunion numbers and it wasn't like people like oh let's revisit the old catalog which happened of course but now hearing Slash and Duff playing Chinese material, and, and for an album that maybe a lot of people did dismiss, that are, are revisiting yeah. and it's kind of yeah. brought on this new life to to the record and uh, a lot of I think some people call it the five percenters, the people who love Chinese democracy and that's something ad nauseum. Uh, our old buddy Scotto, we would talk about since uh, episode one, of, of what yeah. of our our first reactions to it and. Uh, how do you feel like what like when you were making the um the 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 article? What was your main mission? Did you want to just kind of give a a ten year review, or is there anything that you you wanted people to revisit the album? Did you? But there's also like kind of a a to be continued, in a way. Is that what you wanted? Saying like you know, hold on, this this maybe this article is going to be a trilogy, like just like the album. Was maybe
2: Everything I write about Guns N' Roses, whether it's the book or the Izzy Stratton article or this or the review of the, of the reunion shows, it's all just my perspective. And then I try to make that as easily understandable for like general people who don't understand this band. Because, you know, when I talk about Gene Art, when you talk about Gene Art, normal people just don't get it because they don't, we, we forget how deep we are in this world and how much we know and how much we think about. And so 95% of the general public, has A, no idea about any of this stuff. B, has really no, doesn't really care. And C, doesn't really understand any of it. To talk about the artwork kind of issues that were going on with Chinese or to talk about, was this really a G&R album? Or this, this is the stuff that normal, average rock fans don't even think about and don't have the capacity to care about because this is not their favorite band. This is not even one of their top 20 bands. So for us, you know, that was one of my goals was to try to make this something, make this record either appealing or not, not, you know, I wasn't trying to promote it in any way. I mean, obviously I was critical of it in some places. Some people are not happy about that, but whatever. But I think that for me, it's more about just trying to make sense of it for people who don't understand it. It's so complicated. It's so weird. It's so, it doesn't make any sense. 10, you know, it took someone 14 years and $14 million to produce a record. People look at that as, Oh my God, what a, what a insane sort of megalomaniacal solipsistic Trek Axel went through to get this record done, but there's so much more to it, you know. Some of this, and for me, it's always about my, it's always, it's always selfish. I always want to just learn and, you know, build my own sort of understanding of this shit because I get, I get a kick out of it. Like talking to Tommy Stinson about this record yep. and all these writers, like Chuck Clossomer Chuck is one of my favorite writers of all time. So sitting there and talking to him for hours about Chinese democracy was fun. It was just fun. It's something I've always wanted to do. I couldn't think of something. Like, if I, when I started writing about rock and roll, I was like, that's one of the things I always want to do is get a coffee with Chuck Klosterman Chuck and talk to him about Chinese democracy. You know, I got to do that with the guy. So that, to me, that's like a thrill beyond a thrill, you know? And then talking to mm-hmm. Eddie Trunk about the leak and grabbing beers with Squirrel, the, the leaker, and talking to him about the leak story. I mean, there's a lot of stuff in the article that, that's not in the article, of course. Sure. Um, but, you know, it's just, it was really fun. The mission was just for me to fucking get to know more about this record and get to be more interested... Build my own fascination and fulfill my own curiosity about this weird, uncompromising, psychotic, almost Orson Welles-like um, journey that Axel went through and to try to understand it. That's it. That's all it was. And, other, and then hopefully other people liked it. You know, if they didn't like it, I don't really give a fuck. So <laughs>
0: that's just how it works. And by the way, it was uh, 8 million to 24 million streams for, uh, for Chinese democracy. Um, yeah, well,
2: that's like $15 million, right? Yeah, that's, a it, so, it,
0: that's quite a difference. Um, and maybe one of the questions that you didn't get to put in the article, but now we can ask Mr. Gary Sunshine, who's on the line, uh, if Oh My God was eventually going to be on the record. Uh, hey, Gary, it's Brandon.
3: Hey, how are you, Brandon? Nice to hear from you.
0: Yeah, l- nice to hear from you. I, I really appreciate it. <laughs> I know even um, Merry Belated Christmas, Happy Early New Year. Yeah.
3: All that, happy holidays and all that, and a
0: good, good year ahead, I hope. Is yeah. Art on the line, too? Yeah, Art I'm here. Mm-hmm.
3: Hey, man. I read your article. That's very cool. Read, oh I, man, I, thank uh, you. That's awesome. Yeah, that's really well. I'm really impressed with well-written things because I kind of uh, go on and on and have a hard time articulating it. <laughs> it's, it was really cool. How's New York?
0: New York is well uh, arts in L.A. Uh, I will get start with New York is. I don't know. Oh. It's like it's like cold today. I think it's supposed to be rainy. As long as snow isn't here, I'm all right. But it's yeah. just a typical. Yeah. You know, December, gloomy New York Day. Um, cool. What about, Art, is, uh, how is L.A.? Like, uh, hopefully no fires around you anymore.
2: No fires, but, you know, for, for Los Angeles, for people like me who, who you know, this is my town, it's freezing right now, actually. It's like, um, it's 70 or 69 or something yeah, like that. But for freezing. us, when the wind starts, you That's know, it is when day. the wind starts blowing, when the Santa Ana's get blowing and they're cold, you're just, like, shivering. Uh, so it's <laughs> cold right now. Uh, I'm, I'm in Ohio right now. I'm in the
3: Midwest, so it's colder uh, than Okay. Places, probably. It's not, it's not real bad, but it's all right. That's Glad, all right. You know, I've had my share of hot and cold, so I'm good wherever I am. Okay. Nice. Uh, so you were asking about, oh, my God, what were you saying? We
0: were Sorry. just, Um. well, where are you from normally, Gary? Uh, I'm from New York City. Oh, are you? First from Queens,
3: then Long Island, then I did, like, you know, after high school, I went down to Florida, then moved back to New York 500 times, and then uh, – with with the uh, with the band Circus of Power we uh, we were a New York band and then we moved to Los Angeles to do a third record so then I lived out there for a good ten years or so at least so I've been where, where
0: is- I yeah no that's I had no idea because we had some common uh, Facebook friends I wasn't sure like our uh, she's co-hosted um, a couple episodes including with the one with Ernie C that's Catherine Turman she's
3: yeah oh Catherine's terrific man I know her well, I guess I know I'm more from
0: Los Angeles.
3: Yeah, yeah. she's both. We she... remain friends. I love her. Yeah, she's great.
0: Yeah, she's awesome. And uh, Marty E, who used to be, in, yeah, uh, the Dirty yeah. Pearls, who's a New York-based uh, yeah. band. So yeah. I was like, "Where's Gary yeah. from?" But what about Long Island? Because I'm a Long Island Jew. You're, like, what are you?
3: Well, I'm from. Uh, I'm from uh, first. It was in Queens, in Far Rockaway. Then we moved out to like North Massapequa, and okay. Massapequa County area. Nice and Merrick, Merrick, Long Island, that whole world. So. And then most New Yorkers end up in Florida first. You know, <laughs> so it's that whole route. But then I moved back up, you know, several times for, for a lot of reasons, you know, back and forth. Okay. But I've lived in mostly in New York City in some some form or another.
0: Okay. I was I've lived in the um Belmore area for a little bit. Now I'm in Huntington. Yeah. My girlfriend's in Queens. Yeah. I don't know. I guess art's like, what does this matter? I guess like connecting to see where all these people uh, come from and then where our paths yeah. bring us yeah. to, to today. So that's what we we're just talking uh-huh. about, uh, Gary. We're talking about uh, art's article, and it's like you know, it's my dream to you know go sit down and talk Chinese uh, democracy with Chuck Klosterman. And I just remember right. the, the parallel of that thought from art, just downloading. Oh my God! And I'm sorry, it was off LimeWire or Napster at the time. You know, the internet right. was uh, the wild, wild west then, uh, and and just like now, to talk to somebody who contributed to uh, what's a controversial GNR um, uh, song, but for me, since Listen One, I've never. I'm like that song is. I was disappointed when it wasn't on Chinese. Like it's, just, it's so. It's just very cool for to talk to somebody who was part of the you know recording process. So uh, all that said, just. Officially welcome to the AFD show, uh, Gary.
3: Thank you very much. Thank you very much.
0: And I assume uh, Sunshine, it wasn't that you your parents were meteorologists? That's like, their name. That is it? No, no,
3: that, that's their name, man. That's I love name. it.
0: Well, it, in, you know the routine when you come into New York back in the old days.
3: They screw up your name when they misspell it and all that. So it, right. it, was, sunshine, it was Sunshine with a Z of some sort or something, you know, some some kind of variation of it. And that's what it was. Forever, so uh, people say, "Oh, you change your name for stage," you know, which is I would never do, and then uh, or you're something else, I mean, whatever the deal. But it's real.
0: You didn't need to. That's awesome. See, I knew once uh, <laughs> a radio personality I worked with up in uh, Poughkeepsie. His real name was Stephen Frankenberry. Perfect. Yeah. So I mean, you can't make make that up. So can't wait. Make that up. So your story, I guess, does start in in New York City. That's where you you know you first. You started maybe yeah. getting into music, and and so how how did you uh, yeah. little had a little sunshine uh, come to be? Little sunshine,
3: I don't know. I'm, I'm older than you, I'm sure by a, by a whole lot.
0: I'm 35. So
3: with, well, I'm far, you know, well, 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 along that. So anyway, so I grew up with the Rolling, <laughs> Rolling Stones were young, and the Beatles were young, and Dylan and all that world. So there was no way around becoming obsessed, you know, and that whole thing, and, and uh, everybody I knew, at least. the... The crew I hung out with were were into music. You know, people were either jocks or or musicians and either smoked pot or drank something. So as a teenager, I was playing music and a lot of my friends were at bands, but I was just trying to learn how to play blues and things like that. And then heard, uh, you know, this, from the Stones, I went to the Allman Brothers and, and then that led me to all the blues guys, B.B. and Albert King, Freddie King. My Waters, all that.
0: Were your so parents I, I into music? To Did your parents get used uh, to that, you into know, that or they, older siblings? They listened to music. No? Um,
3: they would listen to music. There was always like Sinatra in the house or a Streisand. Or nice. Like, <laughs>
0: or something, you know,
3: typical New York family. Nice. You know? So then when I went down to Florida, I had friends from New York who were down there. At like 17 or 18, I got in like a, my first band was like a cover band. We were doing like Johnny Winter and Allman Brothers and Barry White whatever you could think of kind of thing so that was my first attempt and i realized i could make a dollar or two and have fun so i did that for a little bit and never wanted to get a real job so i did that as long as i could <laughs> you're
0: still doing it and,
3: yeah And then head back to new york and did other bands you know punk rock bands and pop bands and an assortment of things but circus of power i guess would be the the main one yeah came
0: out, when know? i announced to you that you were coming on we got a lot of love for for circus of power yeah. people who'd want to know how you know that band came to be for sure
3: well that was a that's like uh some some friends from florida it actually has a lot of punk rock roots and, and southern rock and florida roots and hardcore is like the my original drummer was in a great band called the Reaction back in the day joey and uh Ricky was in a band called U.S. Furies. Alex was in Crucial Truth. And I was in a band called Screaming Sneakers. They were all kind of like punkish-related bands down in the Florida area. And we all ended up in New York, and they were looking for a bass player. And uh, I did that. I joined just for the fun of it. I was working in, like, the art world and delivering art. Not this art. (laughs) Painting and sculpture (laughs) art. Sorry, art. Um, no worries. I was a lot of that. So we, it was like 87 or 88, so it's actually the same time Guns N' Roses came out, like 87, I think,
1: mm-hmm.
3: uh, as far as the record. So 87, I think we formed the 87 Circus of Power. It was called The Strangers at first for a minute or two. And then um, we added, uh, changed. you know, I was playing bass, then I switched the guitar when we got Zowie in, who was a, uh, Cool bass player from a band called Leeway, a hardcore band in New York, and I moved to guitar. But around 87, 88, we got signed to RCA in like 88, so Guns N' Roses was a year ahead of us or six months ahead, or whatever. Mm. They were clear, you know, so everybody was signed in bands trying to find, uh, you know, another Guns N' Roses because all the success, so. Of course, RCA Records said you're the one, so good luck not <laughs> hanging over our heads.
0: Right? That's interesting, Interesting, and I do want to jump off that point in, in uh, yeah. just a second, how you were starting around the same time as GNR and what your thoughts were. But I'd be remiss because yeah. we got a lot of questions for you. I don't want to forget this one. Uh, this one is from, uh, from Ken Begora. Uh, Circus of Power has a song, Half a Dozen Roses, uh, co-written yeah. by you total stones dead flowers kind of vibe so he would like to know if this is an old song or did you recently write it with alex mitchell
3: no nah, i wrote that i used to like give alex like little cassette tapes of me mumbling into song into the to the microphone with sometimes they were words and sometimes they weren't and a lot of those songs were written that way so i did have one that was half a dozen roses and he fleshed it out a little bit and changed uh some of the worked on the you know the verses and changed them around and they came out I was kind of surprised when he did that which but i I love the way it came out so it was probably i don't know if it's fifteen twenty years that the first idea came out I'm not sure where I had the idea and I think Alex keeps all his tapes <laughs> and I guess he has a cassette player i don't I don't know okay but it was so it was- you know it was a, you know through the years collaboration kind of thing
0: okay but yeah yeah. And uh, one more, uh, Circus of Power, because I'm trying to do it in the natural flow of the conversation before we get off on the whole GNR tangent. Uh, Yeah, whatever you got. (laughs) This is from CJ Gunn. Uh, Circus of Power has always been one of my favorite bands since my childhood. Uh, My friend uh, Daniel Ray has played with them now. Yeah. And I believe he might have replaced you, Gary?
3: Daniel, well, you know what happened is, um, well, Daniel Daniel produced our first two records. He produced a bunch of Ramones records. He did Joey's last the solo record and daniel's a very very good friend but and he's he's a you know a jersey born kind of rock and roll guy <laughs> okay same, same period of time as us so um i think we were doing uh, the band wanted to do a couple of reunion things and i couldn't do it i i had uh two little girls late in life mm. I say. so there was like the weird timing and and things changed and this and that and i Skip the show or two, so they did a New York show. I think Daniel sat in on that. He sat in on a few others before that. He's always like the go-to guy, you know. But he's been with us solid from the from the start. Right on, man. Good right. man.
0: Very cool. So, I mean, I, I I love the fact that our listeners, like, yeah, this is a GNR podcast, but they're so well versed, and that's why I like GNR as the nucleus mm-hmm. of the conversation because sure. it spreads out, and sure. obviously, a lot of people with knowledge of Circus of Power. And so, during that time when they were the forming that was you know art's fa- favorite era hair metal I say that facetiously <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, so what did you think of hair metal at the time or you know power ballads and that's what GNR kind of for a lot of people changed the game but well, you were on the ground you were doing the punk thing that was kicking ass you know what was kind
3: of funny is that the RCA was RCA Records was trying to promote us in a, a variety of ways so we were not a hair metal band We uh, in any way we you know we were a little uh, sloppier than that and not quite as pretty. Don't really meet the requirements for hair metal bands. So <laughs> um, they were, one of their promos, and I have it somewhere, I don't know where it is now, but it has, the the promo was, it was a print ad, something about hairspray bands, suck our tailpipes or some kind of silliness like that. Okay. So it was kind of like the anti-hair band. But, so, but being in New York, I, I didn't have a big love for, for that genre. But of course, once we, when we were doing a, uh, pre-record release, kind of, first record debut, a tour of the West Coast, we met a whole bunch of people. So, you know, things change as you go on, you know, when you become friendly with, uh, Vasta Pussycat, and Nelly Guns, and people like that, and Little Caesar, and Junkyard, and all that. not that those aren't hair metal bands, but some, they touched on it a little bit, a few of them. But when you come across them, you know, I, I was good with that then. I mean, my band, the guys in a band were, you know, I think they had a warmer feeling towards like Motley Crue and bands like that. But I warmed up to it later on. Okay. You know. Yeah,
2: Gary. If you don't, if you don't mind me asking, I'm just curious. Like when yeah. in '87, you know, you're rocking. You're obviously old enough to really have an appreciation of, you know, that yeah. kind of music. I did, I was so young then I couldn't really understand JNR, But I'm curious. Yeah. What did you What did you feel about their music, like hearing it on the radio or hearing Appetite for Destruction? Mm -hmm. How was it like what was your perception of that of that record? I have some I have some twisted and clear memories of what I felt. I was very
3: competitive in a sense, quietly competitive. And uh, and I was very, very, uh, you know, New York you know, proud in a sense. I got it. And I was so excited to be in the New York scene and the New York band and the Ramones and all this, you know, going on in town and Beastie Boys and Public Enemy and whoever, and all the rock and roll bands. It's a great time there. So I was so proud of that and very, very possessive in a sense that I, I didn't have a, you know, I wasn't real open to the West coast sound Mm. (laughs) kind of dumb. Mm. So I I met Axel. I know you want to, touch on some Guns N' Roses. I don't have a whole lot, but but when I, I first met him at, I think it was a cat club, New York, a New York club back in the day where everybody played and, or went to. So I think Ricky Rackman introduced me to him. He was Ricky was he was uh, interviewing, I think, for Headbangers Ball, and he introduced me to him, and I, I only knew of them, in a sense, and I you know was friendly and all, and that was it. And then I was kind of still standoffish with the sound of the band and all that, I didn't really listen to it much because we were really absorbed, um, consumed with, you know, doing our own thing.
1: Mm.
3: And a friends of ours, a Raising Slap, opened for them at the Ritz in New York. So I went to that show and it was pretty intense and pretty great. And I, you know, got a little more, a little more into what it was. And then I realized how good it was as it is, you know, as as time went on a little bit. And then I remember... You know, we were busy, so I wasn't thinking about it much, and we didn't cross paths at that time because they were doing really well. We were just beginning our tours and things like that. So, but I remember like the Usual Illusion stuff came out, and I was really studying and trying to like, well, what do they do? How can I pull some of that in there? I was at that point. I was like, I got to learn some of this and figure this out, and, you know, and, and get some new inspiration. But so, I, I in retrospect. It's a a phenomenal record. It's incredible. It's got all the elements that I like. It's, it's got the Stones, it's punk rock, it's everything together. Slash is a monster guitar player. I realized that after a while. <laughs> and he's right up my alley because it's like a page, Jimmy Page kind of influence, somewhat blues-based kind of thing, but, but a great player. So I really, you know, I grew to love him. Let's say that.
2: The one thing about, the one thing I, I, I thought was fascinating was, and I talked to Catherine about this as well, uh, Catherine Terman when I had beers with her yeah. once, but like the new, yeah. and other people who've been through New York a lot and like that standoffish kind of you have your own sound in the 80s versus the LA yeah. kind of hair metal thing. But, you know, it's funny because like the dolls, you know, originated in New York, obviously, and they in, the, in Kiss as well. So like that, you know, we almost, that, the LA that's hair crazy. metal was borrowed from New York. Yeah, it, that's where
3: it comes from, right? I mean, it's The Dolls right. and Kiss. I mean, so, and I mean, we did shows with Johnny Thunders, and so when we were we were in touch with that world, and in a, in a sense, a little after the fact, but sure, that's where it comes from. So I guess it was still a, a, just a New York versus, you know, East, West Coast kind of weirdness.
0: And in, I get in, that. Being a New Yorker, I, I totally yeah. get that, and not a, a a Midwest attitude or an L.A. attitude. It's... It is interesting, yeah. but um, what did you think of? Because if you had the punk rock roots, what did you think of Duff? Especially since you do play bass, even though you switched to guitar, and because he had the punk well, rock what influence.
3: What I, I for the record, I can't play bass.
0: I just did it for the hell of it. Oh,
3: okay. My guitar, player had a, my guitar player had a bass. I played it like a guitar player. Fair enough. Guitar yeah. players could fake it. So as far as Duff, Duff's great. He's like, a, to me, he's like the Paul Simon, you know, like the Clash. He's that guy for the band. He's, you know, he, he's. In, you know, centerpiece of the band is the root kind of, you know, everybody has a different root for that band. But I mean, so I'm a, I'm a big fan. He's he's, he's great. They all, they all fit the parts. They they all, you know, together, uh, pizza pie, as they say. Go on. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs)
0: <laughs> That's all good. Um I want to yeah. hear how you you phrase things. So when <sighs> me Cir- too.
3: It's all a mystery to me when I say it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> You'll be both, and I'm the one who has a podcast. Go figure. <sighs> so when Circus of Power when you guys were signed and being competitive, how did you feel that you were going to reach certain heights? Did you like when you saw what other bands of the era could do or did you like what were, you what know, was your mindset? At the time, because you signed it, and a lot of people were like, "Oh, I'm signed. My life is set." Or were you like, "I yeah. have work to do"?
3: Uh, it, it, you know, there's no way around. All of a sudden, the blinders go on. It's like, wow, we're this is smoke and there's not you know, we're on our way. Whatever. Everybody has that in their head. You know, nobody's really as well rounded or as sensible as they should be. That <laughs> now maybe, but back then, it's kind of like you're so in it that it's uh you don't know what's next. I didn't know what was next. It, it, it was, and we got signed pretty quickly and all of a sudden we were doing big shows and tours. I mean, within, you know, within months we were, we did a show with James Diction and Iggy Pop on the pier and then we did a Blue Oyster Cult tour and then Danzig. So we, and Faithful More it was all pretty early. Wow. And then Black Sabbath a year or two later or whatever. So all of a sudden we were in this thing. It's like, how could you not think that things are good? Right. But it gets it gets ugly pretty quick if you you know, because all of a sudden I remember walking I can I can actually picture it I think it was on Second Avenue or First Avenue, walking near my where I live and we would check Billboard because the record came out. I think it was the first one. And it charted. you know, maybe it was one eighty two or something, I don't know, out of two hundred, I don't know. But in those days that mattered to a underground kind of you know Sure. Unknown unknown. So we were really excited and I remember looking the next week and it wasn't on the chart i remember clearly going i'm not looking anymore (laughs) so you know i mean you get that in your head you can you know be as cool as you want to be but the reality hits you but we did so many good things that it was hard to not feel great at least for three four five years let's say you know doubts gets doubts set in after a while you know
1: sure
0: Uh, Obviously, there's a lot of, I mean, that's life. You can't foresee anything, really. But when you were touring with Jane's Addiction, did you ever think that you would end up making a Guns N' Roses song with him? (laughs) (laughs) With Navarro? Yeah. Uh,
3: Well, I mean, it wasn't a tour, but we we would come across across each other's paths. We had a tour manager that did... Or did uh, shows with them, right? We did some, yeah, show. And then then, uh, one of our early tour managers did Lollapalooza with with uh, Perry, but uh, Dave we would run across a little bit in, in California too and um, yeah, it was cool to, to be a part of that, however I never saw him at the, the sessions the sessions are all a mystery you know. this guy goes in, this guy goes out I don't know what was going on, I did my part and that was it, so I didn't come across Dave and I never seen him since or spoke to him about it really mm. it's a big world, you know um, but he's a great player, he's really really good, really good
0: all right, so uh, unless you—I guess we want to get to, you know, the main GNR thing here, yeah. which is, oh, my God, and you kind of touched on it a little bit. Uh, and I can—I'll sprinkle in some of the way—I uh, like how the fans phrase this. And yeah. I I don't know why I'm reading this guy's Twitter handle, but I'm going to. Uh, his Twitter handle is APenis. Andrea uh, wow. Andreas
3: Andrius... <laughs> It's Andrea's— his family name is Penis. That's the next
0: it, one. Yeah. Uh, it's probably fake, but I'm doing it just for shits and giggles. Uh, Andreas Penis uh, nice. wants. You no, know, says, "Oh my God!" Is uh, for seriousness. Uh, oh my God is my okay. favorite GNR track. Please ask him about the entire recording process. But oh boy. So uh, what <laughs> do we? Oh,
3: my my. What I know about it is
0: not a lot. Um, it, it's a
3: crazy tune. It wasn't easy to learn. I listened to it the other day. and I was like, I don't even know what I what I played on that thing. Wow. I know I played. I, I know I reinforced a bunch of chords and played the the you know the the structure of the song. You know, it was really just to beef it up a bit. I remember that. It was. I know Axel was in the uh, session and me and the engineer, I believe, and maybe that was it. Maybe Dell. I don't know. It was. It was. I did like two days, two different sessions with them. And the, all I remember is learning that, because what I had was, a, I think they gave me a cassette tape of the two or three songs to think about for sessions, and there was no vocal on them, so I didn't really know what they were going for. It was just an intense, like, crazy instrumental thing, hmm. and uh, and with, with very little instruction, like, you know, here are, here are the changes, or this is the part, or this is this, or this is that, so I just did the best I could. And you know, a little a little nerve wracking, especially with a, a a song that's so insane. But it's a it's a great song. I I know you you have a a real affinity for it, but it is a cool song. I agree with you on that. So the only thing I remember is recording the root of the song. You know the basic rhythms. I was redoing certain parts and this and that. So I didn't do any of the. I think Dave did maybe that wall pedal solo and stuff like that. I think I'm not sure. I think so much was. Added into those songs, or done and changed. You never know what's going to end up when they start mixing things. So I'm assuming that my my chords are there,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know,
3: somewhere, somewhere in that mix. And that's really all I knew. I knew it was for uh, the film.
0: And uh, end of days. That,
3: yeah, that's the only thing I knew about it was was that. And, and then I was like, oh, what a great song! And then it seemed like it's only going to be a soundtrack. I was really disappointed. I wanted to hear it run it around a little bit and all that. I was going to share it with some people recently, and I had trouble finding it, but I did find it the other day.
0: Yeah, um, I, I think it just got added to Spotify, so now I can... I yeah, can... it's around now. It's around now. For a long time, I,
3: I don't even know where to find it, you know, unless you want to sit through the movie.
0: How did the recruitment process Wait. happen? How would you... Recruitment? Yeah, oh, to be part of the... Was...
3: Mm-hmm. Oh, well, um, for a bit, I was working with Axel... It was the very late 90s. Whenever that movie came, whenever that movie was done, I lose track of time, 98 or '99. 9,
0: 99, know. it says like, it came out. 99
3: yeah. is the movie. Song? I'm guessing 98, 99. Um, one, of, one of the guitar techs with, with uh, Guns N' Roses, and I'm having trouble remembering his name. I was trying to think of it the other day. I was trying to jar my memory into some of this. Um, I couldn't remember his name, but he gave me a call one day, but I knew him. Maybe he worked with us, too, at some point. I think so. And he said that, um, he said, hey, I have a, a pretty high-profile guy, client, or somebody I work with who uh, might be interested in working on some guitar, you know, in, in like a lesson format somewhat. You know, I, I hate to say that because they weren't that so much, but I was hired to uh, to work with him. And, you know, I, first I, I was asked to you know, come down and meet him at a studio. And I don't remember what studio it was. But I went down, and Axel was working on something way back. This was at that point. It was well, I guess that's not way back. Because when did the record? When did that record come out? You know better than I. What, uh, what did Chinese democracy? About well, well our, 2008.
0: Yeah, 2008.
3: 2008. So 99, they were. He was starting the process, I guess,
0: writing and recording, or right. he
3: was in the midst of it. I don't know the timing of the whole project. So he was uh, at that point. He wanted to brush up on guitar and, you know, and things like that. It was, it was no real intense um, plan involved. It was just like, Hey, come up. So I would go up to the house once a week for a while, you know, for a a few hours here and there. And we would bounce ideas and work on things. And I, I remember my focus was that I knew he was writing and he was, you know, in this, Period of like what's next kind of thing, with everybody had their eyes on him. And I was, I knew it was about writing and being creative in that whole world. And that was, that's what mattered to him, not learning actual guitar things that might, may or may not be helpful. So I went with that angle and we were working on everything from like Beatles to Radiohead kind of just hmm. other concepts that were non blues related. Cause I, you know, they, they had exhausted the Aerosmith blues. Model somewhat. They, you know, they did it to the max with the the first record. So he was trying to go in every other direction. I think, you know, you know, he's he's a very creative guy. So he was looking in every way. I remember, I remember, like up at the house working on, like saying, all right, well, these are like blues-based things you can do. He goes, well, I don't really want to do blues. I remember that, and and now I get it because he wanted to go past that because he plays by ear. He's not trying to learn that. So he was just trying to get, you know, more comfortable on the instrument. I know there's been a lot of, like, talk about why is he doing this, why is he doing that, um, at that point, at least. But he was, uh, we would just bounce ideas and, and work on tunes, this and that, and jam a little bit. I remember doing, like, little certain Beatles songs. And I remember Radiohead, too, because it was just interesting chord changes and things and ideas so it was mostly that so i was working on as like a kind of guitar instructor in a sense but it wasn't really that it was talking and hanging out a little bit i did that for anywhere between six months and a year i'm not really sure and somewhere in that period i got a call i guess it finished up and then he called or dale one of them called and asked if i would do some sessions and i said well yeah sure (laughs) of course I I have done some session work. It's not my forte, as they say. I mean, I can do it, but I play by feel mostly, so it's always a little exhausting for me. But I'm certainly going to give it a shot, so I did go in there. It was super professional and very cool. So it was the two songs. It was at least two songs, as I remember. But it was, oh, my God, definitely. And there was one other one, which may have been IRS, and I can't remember. Okay. Not that I can't remember. It was Instrumental. And I never knew. There was no vocal on it. Got it. So that that's the recruiting. That's a long story of the recruiting.
0: Not, that's so. great. And it goes along with uh, another question. I like it. this is a comment and question, uh, which you yeah. did talk on a little bit. This is from Ireland. Uh, our buddy, Mr. Mac, said he drove, because I mentioned LimeWire, Napster, pre-internet. He, dro- he drove 60 miles round trip to buy the CD just so he can listen to, oh, my God. Uh, I lived in a very no. small coastal town, miles away from anything. And you did talk, Sean, because you wanted to know about uh, how Al Axel was as a guitarist and if he came up with any cool riffs. Uh, any, yeah. So did he come up with any riffs in addition to practicing Radiohead? And
3: yeah, I think everything
2: he did was
3: it was all. It's all as I remembered. It was all by year. You know, I would come in with you know I would spend like all this time trying to figure out what am I going to work on with him. I don't know him very well, and it's. I want to do the right thing, and it's, you know, this and that, and it's, it was a cool thing to do. So I would work on, I would write out stuff and ideas and different ways to improvise and stuff, you know, related to that. And then I'd get up there, and it would be like, just, he just you know, we'd just play along, and he would just go with it. And it would be by ear. It wouldn't be by, he wouldn't look at the what I wrote out, really. <laughs> it, was, it was of no value. It was more helpful for me, probably. <laughs> But he would, you know, we would jam little ideas and he would always have cool riffs and things. He's a,
1: he's a really good,
3: he was solid, man. He was solid. I mean, it, it maybe technically didn't know all the details, but he was, I think he just wanted to brush up on what to do and, and have a better feeling for what he plays. I, I don't know how he, I know he plays piano very well. I just don't know. Is it by ear? I don't know. I don't know. I don't know the deal with him. I know he's very well versed in a lot of different things, so.
0: You seem to have spent a lot of time with him, though, before even the session. Did you become... Did you guys bond over anything other than music? Yeah.
3: Well, it was
0: very personal.
3: It was very friendly. You know, he he trusted me and I trusted him and we'd we'd have good conversations because I came from a different, uh, you know, a similar situation almost. And he knew... I guess he heard that I was... An okay guy. <laughs> okay. That you know, I'm not a fuck up. Sorry about that language.
0: Sorry. No, it's okay. It's um, a podcast. All good. Yeah. Fuck, fuck, fuck.
3: Yeah, all good. You know, I guess the you know, my reputation is that I'm not that. Pretty much. Okay. Someone probably thinks but, so somewhere, but so anyway, I think it was it was comfortable and friendly, and we would just talk. It would be about anything. You know, I, no details. You know, I don't talk about personal stuff.
0: No, you know. I. No, I guess get a kick out of like how Buckethead and him bonded over Disney, like something if it was something silly like that.
3: Oh, us was, us was probably relationships in the world and okay, politics, maybe politics, relationships, music, and and similar background kind of thing. We're both in bands and same period of time. I, I'm guessing it's in that world. So okay,
0: mostly. I, I just would would hate that for some yeah. reason you two were ended up being like huge. Like Burt Reynolds fans and just bonded over that. So that's that was it. That, <laughs> that was the only was, reason why I asked. It yeah, was yeah.
3: no clear thing. Got it. Okay. We had a lot of common common interests and in likes, but I don't remember them clearly. Yeah, I, I guess no. It was a good. It was a really good experience. So I know.
0: I guess yeah. I I asked that, and and Art definitely knows this with the. Unknown and the known of the whole Chinese democracy, not just record, just of of that era of of the man, of of just going through the guitarists and why people leave. And if yeah. you guys had a good yeah. relationship, and for me, oh my god, was I love that track. And, and that and that like when I re listened to it preparing for this interview, I'm like, that's why I like Shackler's Revenge so much. It was on that path. It, yeah. Didn't, yeah. it didn't strike yeah. me as like, oh, this is. Industrial. It struck me as like this is just angry Axel, and this is one yep. of the main reasons yep. why I love him. And and just the Absolutely. guitars, ripped. So it's it just makes me wonder if you guys were cool. Um, why just that one project, and why nothing uh, since then?
3: Oh, oh, you know why? Because he. Well, I'm I'm a shy guy, and I and I stay out of the limelight. Um, I okay. Remain remain under the radar, and I don't pursue when I should, or could. So I kind of stayed cool with him. I always, you know, wanted to be respectful and not ask
1: for anything. And I I
3: got a call to go do this and a call to do that. And that was strictly it. It was not like, hey, hey, you want to do anything, which I should have, you know. So I always thought, you know, maybe this will lead to a write write something together. It didn't come to that. Um, He had such great guitar players during those days. There was no, you know, he wasn't lacking ideas and riffs, you know, things like that. He had great players. Um so I, I you know, I don't know. I don't know.
0: That's that's fair. Because uh, I yeah. look at it also you know, I I use sports analogies a lot and you being a New Yorker. Mm-hmm. It's like murderer's row. Like he always just has like a home yeah. run and Bart's I mean Bart. Uh, Bart. <laughs> I combine baseball and art. Art's a big baseball <laughs> guy. It it's uh yeah. it's just like you have all these weapons at your disposal and that's what I liked about Chinese you know, of yeah, course, yeah. I liked Appetite, and I know the familiar faces, but just the the different influences that that come in that came out of that record that are still, you know, being discovered today throughout all the and like, undiscovering the, oh, yeah. the the layers and peeling away the layers. You know,
3: I listened to a little bit of it the the other day to to get in the flow here. You know, because I know we were calling. Sure and all that. So I was getting reacquainted with it. I Appreciate didn't know it. it real clear, you know, and, and, and it was pretty impressive and it was all over the place in a good way, you know, and then, it was, you know, to have Tommy Stinson who's in one of the great, great bands, the replacements of all time, in my estimation, um, in the band was certainly a big help. And then he had monster drummers you know, always had great drummers in there, and then you know, Robin Fink's a great guitar player, and then that, you know, that's the one I knew at the time I was there, kind of.
1: Mm-hmm. Robin
3: and Tommy. I did not the other. Oh, Buckethead had already worked with him, I guess, but I didn't. I didn't come across him. I did, however, go into the Buckethead chicken coop thing that they built. Yeah, I think when I when I went to do that, I was trying to remember it the other day. I, it was either when we did the session. Or when I met with him, but I was brought in there to see. Hey, take check this out. He wasn't in there, of course. But <laughs> it was pretty, pretty interesting.
0: Yeah, Art, you it's detailed like a whole, that a whole setup. Yeah,
3: it's a whole setup for his comfort and you know, recording and this and that. So,
0: anyway, it was, so, it was, it was cool so you can verify yeah, what Art said about the 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 chick, the decapitated yeah. chickens.
3: Well, I didn't see the decap. I read that. <laughs> I didn't see that, but it was, they were probably there. I remember it was decorated and it was interesting. But it was a full, like a little, almost like a little studio, old New York studio apartment that was a chicken coop wow. inside of a recording studio. And I, I remember that was one of the first things they, they showed me when I went to look at the, the studio. Oh.
2: And I wonder if that was uh, Rumbo. Really, I don't know. A really, random, a really random note about Buckethead. I think fans would think it's funny, and maybe, Gary, you'll get a kick out of it. Someone told me that, I won't say who, but I didn't include it in my article, but someone told me that Buckethead at that point, like in the the, two, the 90s, 2000s, would drive around in a white van. That was his car. It was like a beaten up <laughs> van from like a 70s or 80s van. And then in the driver's seat, supposedly, I, mean, I don't know if this is true, but this is what I'm told, in a driver's seat, he'd have, like a like a mannequin or a dummy of the of a girl who was like, her throat was slit. Oh and there was like God. blood, blood, like all over the girl's like body. And, and he would just like put the seatbelt on her and drive around with her and use a carpool lane.
3: <laughs> the oh. fu- In fucking order fuck. to use the carpool lane, yeah. <laughs> what a guy. I could have, yeah, it's a sweet story.
0: <laughs> uh, um, that's that's too, that's, I don't know. I, I, I How can I? come off that statement it's just that's too I don't funny know. that's you funny.
3: gotta go left field
0: yeah i think i just got a uh, button hook a little bit um yeah this one was going to uh i'll just go to another question this is from uh, johan sure. from sweden says uh do you remember um uh, wait you said like, as far as like any like the vocals do you remember when the vocals came in because when you first when you said you started working on it, it was just an uh, instrument i never
3: heard the vocals i never heard the vocals at that point until I heard it, it, you know when it was released, that was it. It was like, "Here's your session. Talk to you later. Let me know if you need anything." And then the record came out, and it was like, "Holy shit!"
0: So you didn't even yeah. know if, because this was part no. of this question too, if there were different versions of the song. It was just no, I'm no. wow.
3: um, certain there were. I would imagine there's all kinds of versions. I mean, it was you know layers and layers of things. So, but I never got to hear that until until it was done.
1: Hmm.
3: which is interesting that's a different perspective if you're playing without the without the vocal and the melody maybe you know maybe it brings different things out I've never thought of that so
0: anyway Obviously it took many years for Chinese democracy to come out. Did it ever occur to yeah. you that maybe you know, where all these years, all these leaked tracks were coming out, what's gonna be on the album, what's not, or rumors that are still going on to this day, you know, which aren't verified again about the three albums that you were thinking, yeah. Oh, is oh my god gonna be on this?
3: I would assume it had a there was a place for it. i, I you know,
0: I, I don't know. I don't know. I w- were you disappointed was, when it when it didn't show yes. up? Okay.
3: Yeah, sure.
0: Because that
3: was the one that
0: was clearly
3: stated that I played on. He had mentioned it in a story and and other people had written it. So it was a clear, you know, nod that, you know, yeah, I did do this. You know, sometimes you do things and you tell people, oh, you know what I did? They don't believe you. You think they're not going to believe you. It's nice when it's in print. Sure. It was in print. And then the other song... Which I don't know for sure what it was, and but I'm not credited with anything because it, maybe they didn't use it. You know, maybe it was just a layering of parts or whatever. So okay. that might, i think that was IRS, but I, which is another good song.
1: Yes, but yeah. I, I
3: don't, but I don't know. So yeah, I was—I wanted to be on the, uh, you know, on the on the record, sure, in some form. But I'm on that, you know, that song, which is cool.
0: Yeah, forever. I mean, you're you're forever of that yeah. song, and I know we can. Of course, we can keep you here forever, but we uh, we don't want to to do that. So, uh, what's going on? I mean, Art, do you have any other questions? Because I want to find out what's going on with Gary now. But sure. anything, whatever, uh, open.
2: Yeah, I had like a couple. I mean, I've I've I had to look one more. I guess I have a few more. But I, the one that I was wondering wherever, about with Gary was in the, in the creative process, sort of when you're in the studio working with Axel. What was I mean, every, you know, when he's, when he's worked with so many different guitar players and bass players that I've talked to who said that there are certain things that he, you know, really liked and wanted to channel the most. Like he caught something that he thought was cool and he's like, oh yeah, let's play that riff or like let's let's, put, like, let's build on that riff. Or was there something about your playing or your influences or your attitude towards playing that he kind of like latched onto and said, ooh, let's, let's expand on that?
3: You know, as I remember... All he knew about my play, he knew of my band. you know, He knew of the Circus of Power thing, because he had mentioned that. And we talked about that. And then he had heard yeah. good things about me. And then we sat together and played, and you could see that I could play and this and that. And then he kind of said, come on in and, and do these songs. learn these, Learn these. But at one point he said, add whatever you think or feel. But I never really had that opportunity, so I never really took it. But I think he was hoping that I would, you know, yeah, I think he wanted people. He was being a good producer, even though he wasn't. Well, maybe was the ultimate producer of the of the record in, in a sense. But I right. think he wanted sure. to pull creativity out of all the different,
1: mm.
3: you know, ingredients, which is kind of what you know. That's what, what Brandon was saying about uh, the whole eclectic mix of people and. You know, sounds and and different things that make up that record. So I think, as far as the whole Chinese democracy, I include them together because to me that whole period is the same to me at this point. Yeah, so, right. Like I, yeah. So I think it was. I think his way of doing it is to here yeah, do your thing. You know, see what you come up with. He didn't direct as much as, you know, be open to like ideas, which is a, a terrific thing. You know, yeah, less yeah.
0: pressure that way. Well, yeah. And Art, did you have another one? Cuz I, you know, we got we got Mr. Sunshine here, so I want to make sure yeah, know, before yeah. the sun sets. Uh any other Well, I mean, I'd, yeah. I'd
2: love to know Gary. Like you said you read the Billboard. I mean, it's really to me this is a unique opportunity when someone who's as, you know, as, as sort of prolific and has been around as long as you have having read the the Billboard article and they were sort of talking to you about Chinese and Axel during mm-hmm. that period, which for the fans, I mean, they probably get a kick out of this. Was there anything that in that article you thought was missing? I mean, be be completely honest. Like was there something that you think which art you know touched on that a bit more or missed a little missed a little bit of this or artistically was because you're no, an artist think, so you have I a unique you, perspective
3: I, I think you came in from a different angle which was nice you saw the positive and and coolness of the record whereas everybody was want you know not everybody uh, let's see quite a few people you know always hope for failure when somebody's big famous hmm or or you know right. quiet it right. doesn't do doesn't play along you know doesn't play along the way they want you to play so i think you know with all that involved i was it was refreshing to see this other take of you know the cool ingredients in a different you know
2: but right. it's weird it's like the, m- the more i listen to that oh my god especially and like all the others I didn't like any of that like when I was when I was younger when it first came out. And then the more I listened to it over the years, the more the the more I dig into it, it's like it really does grow on you. It is like a fine wine, that, that record, especially because yeah, it, there's so many layers. You can't get, you can't capture it right away. It's like a It is like a radiohead record. It takes a while for you to, for it to grow on you.
3: Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, great things, you know, there, there's two, two ways. Either something hits you in the face and it's, you know, blows you away or there's so much in there that, you know, years of listening and, and getting something from it, which is pretty good for, for the, in the long picture, the, the big picture of things. Um, I, I don't know, I was listening to it, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not sure if you touched on it, but all the different the nine-inch nails and progressive, you know, right. technology kind of things that were added into it in the mixing, trip-hop kind of things, and the hip beats and things that were, those parts I like, in, in, re, in listening to them today, this week, they they live well for me. Those are interesting. You know, for him to yeah. just use the guitar, just to use the guitar players and, and, and do the songs and him sing over it would have been fairly normal and it would have been not as you know wouldn't have been the other record would not have been you know the original stuff it would have been compared to it this was left field which is good and totally you know i i hear you know minus nails and metallica and, and and every and all kinds of influences and that's a good thing and nobody there's no need to be critical of people expanding and trying to do cool things you know
0: I couldn't agree yeah. more, and that's like, how I feel, you know, you know we're, that's what Art and I were talking about before you came on, about him expanding with his writing and No Limits and why being pigeon-held, yeah. and that's how I feel versus, you know, yeah. FM radio, terrestrial versus doing a podcast. So, mm-hmm. you know, when Art and I, I guess when GNR really came into our consciousness, at least for me, they already, appetite's already out, User illusion's already out, it's not like I... Um, they they had changed for me. It wasn't like they went from Appetite and like that's all I saw them. I saw them as a band that was already progressing and had progressed, right. and I didn't get a chance to see them. and Axl Rose was a myth, you know. It was him hanging right. out with right. Elvis's right. ghost. He was like, it was never going to happen. Yeah. So when right. that song came out. It was exciting just because, like, wow, Axel's making new music. But for me, you know, when during the the few times in my life where I actually have tried to work out and gain some muscle mass, it, oh my yeah. God, it was always on my that was the one. It was always on my workout li- playlist, like right. n- no joke. And uh, but it was r- really interesting when I, I put it out there, preparing for this interview and getting the fans' reaction. It really was, you know, either I don't, I didn't like the direction, or this literally is my favorite Guns N' Roses song. So it's always going well, to be know, remembered, regardless of whether it was on an album or not. This is,
3: this is an analogy that may or may not make sense to anyone else. But for me, Zeppelin, I grew up at a point where the first three Led Zeppelin records were the ones. Everybody else I know grew up at Houses of the Holy and all the older ones after that. And for me, those didn't hit me. You know, they're great, but they didn't do it for me as much. The other ones were, were pure... Um, Just playing and blues based and hard and and everything else and fresh and new and nothing too intricate. So it's kind of like, to me, appetite into the others is kind of that same idea for some people, I would think. Okay, yeah. You know,
0: I don't know if you get
3: that one. no,
0: I, I totally. It makes, like, makes sense. It does. It absolutely makes sense. You know, sense. when
3: you start expanding, people complain. Everybody complains. You know, they were great when they started. You know, when I have they were great in the little club, and now they they suck because they're a big band. And I'm not them, but you know, everybody. You know, is, that's a, a pretty common phenomenon.
0: When you got a New Yorker telling you not to complain, Gary, that means <laughs> that means <laughs> oh, I'm something.
3: A, <laughs> I'm a historic complainer. Believe me,
0: <laughs> you'll be but
3: both. I'm but I'm working on it. Yeah.
0: You and me both, man. It could be our New Year's resolution. Yeah. So, where I'm where are you now? What, what's going on with uh, Mr. Sunshine today? You
3: know, in the past, after the suckers of Power Band, I played in a band called New York Loose. Um, it's on Hollywood Records. It was kind of a, a punk pop band out of, out of New York that toured, and did a whole bunch of things. So I left that band. Um, that's another case of soundtrack thing where the credit and you know like the oh my god thing we did a song on uh shit, I'll never remember the name of the the movie now. Oh boy. Song okay. the spit. Merrick Lewis is on it. It's a some dark series of movies. The great but anyway it was a big, big movie and the song got in it. But what was gonna be in the song was in the in the movie was a song that I co wrote with them called fate uh called um oh I can't remember the name of that either. That's a long time ago, but the <laughs> song that was supposed to be in the soundtrack didn't get in the soundtrack, which would have been my name and my credit and my royalty,
1: mm-hmm. but
3: then, so that didn't get in there, just as we're talking about. Um, so I did the New York Loose Band, and we toured around, they did a Marilyn Manson tour and a whole bunch of things like that, and that split up, and I went my own way, and I did more like Americana, Stonesy kind of things, you know, like... Um, Yeah, a whole bunch of different things. A little bit of session work, turned down a few things, didn't follow up on a few things. Started selling my guitars so I could survive without getting a real job, Hmm. and then started writing my own stuff, which I always did anyway. I've always written myself by myself, kind of, unless I was in a in a studio just playing loud riffs and things like that. Otherwise, I sit and mumble melodies and things like that. So I've been doing that for a while, and a little collaborating internationally in a sense because of the internet and, and all these new tools and everything like that. I've done some records with, you know, there's this singer in, in New Zealand, Steph Casey, did a couple of songs on her record a year or two ago. Oh, cool. I've done some other things, some, some little soundtrack things. And I played a band called the silos for a little bit, which was kind of a Wilco Americana kind of situation. And I've been writing my own things for a long time now. Because so I you know, as the years go on you just write and I write to you know, to exercise to to just get things out. So what I've been doing is writing my own and I have my little group of people that, that appreciate it or like it and I may or may not put a record out in the next six months. Okay. Hoping to I have so many songs, this and that. So it's mostly my thing. I'm you know, a little collaborating here and there and me, and, you know, I have a whole bunch of songs available and around. did a couple of little very, very, very independent releases in the past few years that can be tracked down, you know, through social media and other Avenues, but there'll be some other stuff coming.
0: All right, very cool. I, I hope uh, you know you keep us posted on the new record when uh, it comes out, and you know you can follow uh, Gary Sunshine Music on Facebook.
3: Check me out on Facebook or SoundCloud. There's a lot of videos up on YouTube, or more and more. So if you just check my name out, you'll find me somewhere. There's another guy with my name who's a playwright. Sometimes the people look <laughs> at that and they go. That's what he looks like now. I mean, I look bad enough, but this guy—that
0: was—that's <laughs> what happened when I first googled. I'm like, it's just like a Brooklyn, you know, yeah, I, I, like a little he's a famous playwright. Yeah, he he's like this really well. I'm like, this guy was not in Guns N' Roses, and then when I soon as I oh, saw your big goatee, I'm like, that guy was in Guns N' Roses. That
3: guy, not that guy. <laughs> but that guy's probably doing better than this guy, so I appreciate that guy.
1: <laughs> but anyway,
3: but anyway uh, yeah. so if they if they if you if they look for my name you'll find me somewhere. There'll cool. One of the two guys. One of the two guys. Follow one of the
1: two.
0: Well, it was, a uh, um, an honor to talk to this Gary Sunshine. I really do appreciate your time. You were, you know, fun to talk to. Um, absolutely. And just, I mean, you have just. I'm sure we can, if we have you on again, uh, you're always welcome back. Uh, sure. more, more stories I'm sure we can get from you. Uh, sure. you know, I'll
3: follow up, man. I'll do it again if you want. That's yeah.
0: great. I appreciate it's it. A lot of fun. This is a lot of fun. I appreciate
3: both of you. Uh, Given a giving a damn about it, A lot of people do. A, you know, this, that's good. Good.
0: Yeah, a lot of people do. You'll be surprised. You take well, care, Gary, Gary. Okay. Have a good New Year. See you guys. Happy New Year. Bye. Bye, Gary. Bye, bye. So, what did you think of the conversation, Art?
2: Yeah, it was great. Man, Gary was awesome. He was all class. You could tell he's one of those few rock stars who hasn't butchered his brain with drugs and opiates his entire life. So that's great. He was yeah. a witty, smart, clear-headed, and humble and not one of those egomaniacal musicians who are just annoying and dis- disgusting to talk to. Like, I won't say any names, but we, you know, we, we chatted with people before who don't really, um, hmm, have, don't even know, don't understand what a conversation is. They just like to talk and hear themselves talk the whole time. But Gary was really sweet and cool. I liked that.
0: One. Yeah. Uh, especially since, I mean, yeah, well, like, I don't know how you get to, I know your interviews are different cause they're, they're print. Uh, or you know what, even before you put them in the print, but when you actually first sit down and have a conversation with somebody, uh, Mm -hmm. it's interesting with that first conversation where it clicks, like maybe you just had some text exchanges or or email and you're not sure what to make of it yet. Uh, and then that first conversation happens and and just right away, you can tell that Gary got it, you know, that he was, you know, he was here. To you know I mean maybe he was surprised about how much about his life that we spoke about, but he knew he was going to talk right. about guns and roses he 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 read your article he listened to some past afd shows uh he right. listened to the oh my god track again forgot what part he played on it uh, and and right. and just came in and was very conversational would bring you in on questions would you know pose questions so uh just a just great pleasure i mean i I definitely want to have Gary on again and uh oh my god yeah, was that was cool. a fun interview. <laughs> uh yeah, he was
2: cool, he's a really smart guy.
0: Yeah, so 97 episodes. Uh I mean every everyone it's somebody else. I'm like I can't believe I spoke to that dude or or to that chick or however I poorly want to phrase it. Uh but but Gary Sunshine episode 97. Uh we'll see what happens coming up in the new year as this concludes uh 2018 for Appetite for Distortion. Regardless of where you listen to this interview, uh, when you listen to an interview, is our, our final one of the year. All of you listening, including you, Art, uh, made this podcast uh, what it is today, and I'm excited for next year uh, to see what's to come. Uh, I'm hoping with some more, some more backing uh, from, from my heart, uh, which was just flattering. I just told the guy uh, after the conversation, I'm like, nothing could happen, and this, I just feel like I'm doing the right thing. And th- yes, that conversation helped. But every time one of you reaches out on Facebook, Twitter, you know, you comment on one of the uh, the streaming sites, whether it be, uh, of course, iHeart, Spreaker, SoundCloud, Stitcher, YouTube, any of that, I can see nice comments. It just makes me want to keep going and doing this. So that's why I think this is going into what, the third year of this podcast and in art you found us when we we were still in single digits. You found us randomly mm-hmm. on, on SoundCloud. So it's just uh it's very cool, you know, of course more guests to come next year. I'm hoping with the uh nothing is going to change as far as um you know, I had somebody ask, oh, does this mean you're going to start charging for the podcast? No, no. that That is never going to happen. I believe in not paying for radio. That's why I was kind of reluctant to work for SiriusXM. I mean, they have some cool things, of course. Uh, but I just, for me, radio always equals free. And that goes the same for podcasting. Uh, I'm just hoping to maybe have some sponsor reads <laughs> in the future. And I, I just want to eventually turn that to, to give back, you know, Giveaways, no, or you could, pay, you
2: could pay people like me to be on the show.
0: <laughs> I never. Someone asked me that. I would never pay for a guest, but I would pay you if you yeah. were if if Art, if you were, I would pay you to be like Thank the, you. an AFD senior reporter. You could no, be. You you're could... gonna
2: pay me to be a guest on your show? No, no. About my 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 own self for an hour.
0: I Just want you, and you may not like this analogy, but I'm gonna say it to make myself laugh. I want you to be Fuck. The, the Jim Acosta. Of oh my god! Of, <laughs> no, I want you to be how, any Fox News or someone a, a reporter you don't you hate. Go. That if let's just say if you went to someone's house, you know if you're hanging out with Tom Zutan and you're like, you know what? Let's do a five minute segment that I can put on the AFD show. I'd pay you for your time for that. I would do that.
2: Tom, you know what we can do? I think we can probably do something with Tom. I mean, I don't know. I can't speak for Tom, but I think he'd be stoked to do something for it once we get towards the Motley Crue movie. That's coming out in May, I think. Well, Motley Crue movie, the dirt, dirt, the, the movie. So, oh yeah. Re- um, mm-hmm. I think Tom would probably want to talk about Motley Crue. He's probably going to be doing some press. I'm guessing. I don't know. I'm not sure, but I, I would assume he is going to do some press during that film.
0: Well, so, you are the guys who share the uh, the friendship bracelets, So you know, when that time comes, you know how I. You know, handle the interviews. Uh, I mean, obviously, Gary wasn't on here and be like, I want to talk about what I'm doing now. Or uh, he was open to everything. But some people, like uh, Tommy Stinson, even though he was great and you got to interview him too, he's just like, let's make right. sure, which I knew he was going to do anyway, but you guys never knew how know how interviewers are going to be. Uh, let's All make right. sure we talk about Cowboys in the Campfire. Let's talk about some new stuff. Of course. So I would absolutely want to talk about the dirt. I mean, I've been... You know, reading about that, Nikki Six was my my second radio interview ever, uh, and I rem- and this was before Chinese came out and talking to him to him about the dirt coming out, and it's finally happening. And yeah. the fact that just the Chinese democracy era of Guns N' Roses could be a movie, I think there's a lot to talk to Tom uh, potentially about that maybe he won't be so uh, secret squirrel about uh, that. Uh, yeah if you can make it happen obviously you can co-host i don't know if uh, if I could pay you a fee for that one I can pay you in respect and hugs uh, or no. No, okay. I, I could buy you well, lunch he,
2: he, Tom is a merc- mercurial strange interesting man so not we all i have no idea if he'll ever do if he'll ever do a podcast or anything i think he's more of a he's very private and he does when he does stuff he does it because he has a special Special sort of appreciation for the outlet or the, you know, he loves the LA Weekly because the LA Weekly is what it is and or was, excuse me, it's no longer that the LA Weekly is a pile of shit now, but (laughs) it was something pretty amazing. And he loves Billboard because it's Billboard and, you know, it's rock and roll like a sea shit. So Tom's old school, man. Tom is seriously the same Tom Zutat that discovered Guns N' Roses on the Sunset Strip in 19... What eighty five or eighty six? So, I mean, I love it. I'll ask him. He doesn't even know. He doesn't really even understand what podcasts are. So, (laughs) it's like, what's a podcast? What does that even mean? Is that radio without without being live? Why why would that? You know, he doesn't know. But if he ever decides to do press, like for for Motley Crue um, stuff, I don't even know if he's gonna gonna do anything. But if he does, I'll fucking make sure he does your show because you're cool and you you're fair and you ask cool questions. So. And it'll be fun. It'll be fun because he's a really funny, interesting, weird, bizarre. He's a psycho, and I mean that, in the best <laughs> possible way possible. and I mean that in the best possible way, possible. He's a psycho, and I mean, and I love him to death and I'll... because he is a madman in a good way.
0: Yeah? And that's a great uh, leaping off point too. Like you just never know who we're gonna get. I never expected to get Alan Niven on once, but twice, and I love the guy. But if you've read another
2: psycho, I love him too.
0: Right. That's why I said that. And uh, same thing with uh, Doug Goldstein. And we've, sa- psycho. <laughs> we've said that uh, Doug, uh, I, I posted it, he he quit Facebook for now uh, because they were, I mean, he's running a charity and there are people that were putting it out there on social media that he's stealing from the charity. That's pretty like serious shit, you know? Uh, so I don't know. He's, yeah,
2: he's a good, look, here's the thing about Doug Olson. He's a really good guy. Like, I don't know about his dealings with people, you know, Slash had some stuff to say about Doug and his, but I mean, this all really started with Slash and his book because Slash so said a lot of really negative things about Doug Goldstein in the book. Now, whether they're true or not, I can't speak to because I wasn't in the room. Right. I wasn't part of those negotiations. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know if Goldstein did the things that Slash says he did. So who knows? Um, I mean, some of it's corroborated by Duff, but then again, some people reject the notion of all this shit anyway. So it's like uh, the, you know, Guns N' Roses is like Rashomon. You got to carry it with you and know that there's so many different perspectives creating their narrative. There's no real Agreed. true answer, but. Perfect. I don't know. I don't know. I'll, I'll, all I gotta say is I like Doug Goldstein. He's been fair. He's been really sweet to me. Every time I talk to him, he's a good guy. He seems like he was sober and coherent during those years, which is basically <laughs> right. he's the only person. Really, right. I mean, he's the only person. This is important to note. He's the only person who was 100% sober and 100% coherent during the entire Use Your Illusion era, hmm. which is, you know, the most probably the most debaucherous era of this band. And, you know, everyone else is fucked up in their own way. Like, Axel was not as fucked up as everybody else, but he was, he was partying. He was dealing with a lot of demons. He was fucked up in a lot of different ways. But Goldstein was the one guy who was sober and clean. That's so a fair point. So that, that says a lot, you know, because his memory is probably in better tact than, let's say, for example, Duff McKagan. Right. Mm. So in that sense, Doug Goldstein is uh, an important person who people should talk to, period. Mm.
0: And we are gonna but have I, I, him. We're, we're gonna have him on the uh, the AFD show. He agreed to do episode 100, but we may actually have him on. I mean, even though our next episode is gonna be 98, we may ha- have him on sooner to talk about this stuff. He, he he calls me. It's really cool stuff that I never believed would ever happen. You know, just having converse, right. say, uh, conversations with ex uh, GNR managers. So, you know, this this whole uh, ride is on this podcast has been great. Thanks to uh, everyone out there making this fun for me. Uh, giving me opportunities to talk to cool people, and uh, I'm I'm glad that you guys seem to appreciate what I'm doing here. So let's keep it going. Uh, happy New Year! Next time you hear from me will be 2019. Oh man, uh, we'll see what happens. I don't even want to go. We have I have potential guest ideas. Some have said yes. Some are maybe. Some we got to wait for. But let's leave it all over uh, to two uh, over the bridge to two. I don't know where that came from. Over the horizon to 2019. So, uh, Art, if you have anything else uh, left to say,
2: no, I'm good, man. it has been fun.
0: And all right, then uh, of course follow Art Tavana on well Twitter at Art Tavana.
2: One more and one thing, dude. This is I'm not gonna say any names, but if you're like some social justice warrior type person and you want to troll my uh, Twitter because you're a Guns N' Roses fan and you want to use my Twitter or my whatever my my world to complain about Trump or like I'm not a Trump supporter, but I'm not, you know, don't mix your politics with Guns N' Roses when it comes to me. My book is not political. I don't want to talk about politics anymore. I'm sick of it. If I talk about it, it's on my own time. It's not going to be about Guns N' Roses. I don't care what Axel thinks about Trump. I don't care what Trump thinks about Axel. I I appreciate the history of this band and the records they released. And if if you take it personally that I'm not, you know, a Democrat who votes for Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or some nonsense, that's your problem. I don't really care. So, Deal with your own life. Be happy. Listen to rock and roll, and appreciate this band. And do what Alice Cooper just said on the fucking for the Guardian or wherever, Daily Mirror, wherever, whoever interviewed him recently. And he said that you know his entire purpose is to take people away from politics. Maybe Guns N' Roses fans should appreciate the idea of taking themselves a little bit away from politics. And God bless Axel, and he has the right to free speech. And I appreciate his, you know, he should be able to say whatever the hell he wants. But you guys should not be listening to everything people say. Who are rock stars? You should read books. You should study history. You should go to school. You should open your own minds up, and maybe you know, not go on Twitter all day and troll people like me and complain <laughs> about, you know, whatever your 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 imagination or your lack of knowledge about politics is kind of appalling so enjoy the records talk about guns talk to me about guns and roses what the hell is wrong with you people god bless that's all
0: i got <laughs> guns and roses baseball and uh, maybe madonna people could talk to you about
2: old so, movies madonna guns N' roses i don't know betty baseball, davis you're betty da- old movies yeah you're a Hollywood. fun follow
0: man you're a fun follow artivana on on twitter and of course please follow the AFD show i mean uh, speaking of Tommy Stinson, I'll end here. And uh, you know, I love the people who helped me set up the interview. And my thankfully, my numbers have gone up since. But at the time, they're like, "You only have X amount of Facebook followers." After they agreed, and I just felt like a loser. I'm like, "Well, a lot more people listen to it, but those numbers aren't really public." So that's it's not just it's it helps me and helps you get the higher profile guests when they just click on my facebook or, or, or twitter uh so we'll follow the afd show facebook.com slash uh, the afd show on facebook at the afd show on twitter alternative nation.net on the main page podcast section iHeartRadio, Spreaker, stitcher soundcloud uh youtube uh itunes and, and just uh we'll see what the new year brings so happy new year's gunners uh what is the next year going to bring us what's the next episode well in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, you'll see it, I don't know if as soon as the word. No! Fuck it! No! Yeah!
1: Thanks to the lame ass security, I'm going home!